I had uh, a realization this week as I was uh, preparing this talk, and, it, and it's that I'm getting old. Um, Claire Thompson said to me the other week, Luke, you're not very good at being young. You go home too early. And it's okay, I'm coming to terms with it. Um, but as I'm getting old, I've noticed a few, <laughs> few changes in my body. Um, my hairline is going back. Um, I groan when I sit down now. And worst of all, I need to get up in the night to go to the toilet. <laughs> I, and I hate that because I hate, I, I, honestly, nothing more than anything else. I hate getting out of bed. So that I have to do it in the middle of the night is even worse. So I've worked out a little way of kind of tricking the system. Because, you know, when I get out of bed and I turn on my bedroom light, it's like, it's absolutely blinding. Um, and I'm wide awake then. And then I walk across the hall and I go into the bathroom. I turn on the bathroom light and it's like the extractor fan kicks. And I, um, So what I've done is I do the whole thing now with my eyes closed. And I don't turn the lights on. And that's fine because I've got quite good. I know my house quite well. It's like four steps along the bed. And then you turn right and you go out my bedroom door and across the hall and you're away. But the problem is I travel a lot for work. Um, so one or two nights a week I'm in a hotel and um, the, the route to the bathroom is different. And however good I think I am at, at walking with my eyes closed, there's always a risk that I end up in a cupboard, <laughs> not the bathroom. Sometimes life feels a bit like that, doesn't it? Disorientating. <laughs> I might be on my own here. <laughs> no, life feels like we're, we're sometimes walking around in the dark, doesn't it? Yeah. It does for me. I feel so disorientated all the time. But the truth is, we have a guide. We have a manual, a handbook for life, if you will, in Scripture. We're in a series, as Dave said, looking at, at sacred things. And the Bible... I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but every Bible you've picked up has probably called itself the Holy Bible. You see, we believe that Scripture is sacred, and the Bible is a collection of books. It's not one book. It's a, it's a library, really, an anthology of 66 different books, all different styles, all with different authors, all with a different purpose, written to a different people at a different time, in a different genre, in a different language. You see, the Bible is an absolute mishmash of texts. But it's been gathered together into what we believe is the central authoritative text of the Christian faith. Here at Woodlands, our view is that because the Bible is sacred, we want to put it at the heart of what we do. So every Sunday when we meet together, we'll worship together. And then someone will stand up and, and give a talk that's based on Scripture. So that's what I'm going to do now. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is writing to his friend Timothy. Uh, and he writes this encouragement as he finishes his letter. He says, From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Now, lots of us have heard that before, haven't we? All scripture is God-breathed. But what do we really mean by that? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Do we mean that God himself literally wrote the Bible with, a, with an absolutely massive biro? Or did he send Paul a voice note saying, Hi, Paul, God here, this is what I want you to write to your mate, Tim. What we really mean is that God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired people, just like you and I, to write. Which is why the Bible contains such variety. It's the work of lots of different people, in lots of different contexts, writing to different people in lots of different styles. But each of them conveying something of the truth of God. The word sacred literally means set apart devoted to God. So when we say that the Bible is sacred, what we really mean is that because all of Scripture is God-breathed, it, 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 we set it apart from other books. It points us to God. The Bible is a literary work, but one which is the result of divine revelation. And um, there's a debate between theologians uh, as to what... Um, what's called the inerrancy of Scripture. You know, might the Bible have mistakes in it? Is the Bible infallible? And uh, I'm limited both by time and intellect this evening, so I can't really go into that. But, but, but I think something that is really important to remember is that just as God chose to reveal himself in the frailty and the fragility of a human body through the person of Jesus... God has chosen to, to speak to us through the frailty and fragility of written word in the Bible. Scripture is an attempt to convey in writing something of the inexpressible. Something of the divine revelation of God. And this side of heaven, I believe that the brilliance of God's truth will always exceed our ability to fully understand, comprehend, or convey it in words. But this much I do know is that God has chosen Scripture to be the tool through which he makes himself known to us today. Perhaps there are limitations to its form, but as C.S. Lewis says, all we can do is to humbly say that since this is what God has done, this was best. So God partnered with human authors to create texts which reveal himself to us. And his spirit fills those words. But the marks of humanity are there too. Scripture itself then isn't to be worshipped. It isn't a, a trinity of the Father, Son and Holy Scripture. But it's a tool. It's a tool that points us towards God. The words of Scripture are vessels of the Holy Spirit. Scripture is sacred because it was inspired by God and because it is the main tool that we have through which he continues to reveal himself to us today. And we treat Scripture differently to other books because of that. I think for me, there's something that's really interesting about the idea of Scripture being God-breathed. Throughout the Bible, there's a connection between the sacred things and the breath of God. In Genesis 2, verse 7, the creation story culminates with the creation of mankind in the image of God. And at verse 7, we read, Then the Lord God formed a man 
from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God breathed humanity into existence. And Dave last week was talking about the church. And in John 20, when Jesus appears to his disciples and commissions the church into being, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, God, made man, breathes life into the church. And so that language of of Scripture being God-breathed, I think is really helpful because there's something about the breath of God which is in itself life-giving. Scripture isn't static. It isn't the case that God gave authors divine revelation years ago and now we have this book going dusty on our shelves with the revelation slowly going out of date. Actually, because Scripture is God-breathed, something of the life of God is contained within it. And because of that, the truth of God has an eternal relevance to us. That's why in Hebrews 4 verse 12, we read that the Word of God is alive and active. Scripture continues to be relevant to us today. And so for each of us, the God-breathed words of Scripture still speak to us, still reveal God to us. And and I think the psalmist uh, expressed it best for me in, in Psalm 119, writing, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Scripture is meant to be our our guide for life. And I think that raises a really interesting question. How should we handle it? How are we to approach the sacred things? Even the word sacred conjures up this idea of reverence, doesn't it? I think that's a helpful starting point. I think, you know, when we're approaching the Bible, we do it with a healthy reverence. We don't treat it like any other book on our shelf. Throughout the rest of this series, looking at sacred things, one of the themes which has come out is that we're not casual with sacred things. We're not casual about the church. We're not casual about baptism or communion. We shouldn't be casual with our bodies. And similarly, I think we shouldn't be casual in our approach to Scripture. For me, one of the things I think is really helpful uh, is to look at, at how Jesus handles Scripture. Because In the person of Jesus, we have an example for how we are to live our life today. And something that really sticks out to me through the accounts of Jesus is that he loved Scripture. Now, for Jesus, that would have been the Old Testament Torah. But but for us today, we have the New Testament as well. But, But what we see is that Jesus clearly studied, learned, put into practice the words of Scripture. In John's Gospel, we we, we read the tempting of Jesus, and and Satan tempts Jesus after he's been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He says, um, you know, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When Jesus says it is written, what he means is it is written in Scripture. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus confounds the devil by quoting scripture. The devil tests him twice more and twice more Jesus responds by pointing to scripture that he has learned and committed to memory. 
Jesus, who was God in human form, whose nickname was literally the Word, thought that Scripture was sufficiently important for him to read, to study, and to learn, and to obey, and to submit his life to its authority. I think uh, another helpful thing to have in mind when we're approaching Scripture, for, for, for me at any rate, has been uh, around doubt. Uh, around asking questions of God uh, and asking questions of God's word to us in the Bible. And I want to say it's a really good thing. It's healthy. It's sometimes uh, my questions uh, around scripture have scared me. I think particularly um, if you've been in church for a little while, um, we become familiar with the Bible with the idea that the Bible is really important. And then something happens in our life. Something that really shakes us. Something that, that, that like right to our core just shakes and disturbs us. The things that we've known, the things that we've trusted. And, and at that point, it's really difficult sometimes to ask questions. I have personally have felt ashamed to have questions about the Bible. I remember actually when I first became a Christian, I was hanging out with all my new Christian friends, and I didn't really want them to know that I didn't get the whole Christian thing. Um, and so what I would do is I would just never ask questions, um, because I thought if I never asked any questions about the Bible, then they would think I understood it. And so what I did was I started approaching the Bible a bit like a, a tub of celebrations, um, where I would lift the lid and I would take a couple of Maltesers, uh, uh, maybe a galaxy, and then pass it on. Uh, and it kind of keeps on going around the room. And before too long, some poor sucker is left like, which of these 25 bounties do I want? <laughs> but sometimes what we do with the Bible is we feel so awkward asking questions that we start to cherry pick. We pick our favorite bits and don't deal with the rest. I said a moment ago that we aren't meant to be casual with the sacred things. And I, I, think, I think that is being casual with Scripture. I think it's really important when we approach Scripture that we feel like we're really able to wrestle with it. Because there are loads of things in the Bible that should cause us to have questions. There are stories of genocide. There are stories of pestilence, of war, of infanticide, of ethnic cleansing. There are passages in the Old Testament which are difficult. There's a law in Deuteronomy that says an unruly child can be stoned to death. And the fact that I'm here today means that my parents didn't obey it. <laughs> Cheers, mum. <laughs> but reading the Bible will leave us with questions. And the Bible gives us permission to ask those questions. The Bible is full of people asking questions of God. If you read Job or Lamentations or the Psalms, it is literally full of people petitioning God, asking questions of God, bringing their doubts and their sorrows to God. In fact, I would defy you to find a question that people are asking today that isn't, in some sense, asked in the Bible already. One of the dangers of us today is that we will just get casual with things that we don't wrestle with it, that we don't think about Scripture. All too often we ignore the Bible altogether. 
If you're anything like me, some of you tonight will be feeling a little bit convicted by this point. Because the truth is, we don't always live as if the Bible's important. Why is that? Why, why is it that the Bible can sit on my bookshelf untouched for, for days, weeks, months? I cannot tell you how much I've read the Bible in the last couple of weeks, just so I didn't feel like a fraud this evening. <laughs> but we just get on with life sometimes, don't we? We, um, we pretend that we're able to do that well without Scripture, but there's I think there's a number of reasons that the Bible is contested in our lives, but um, there's three that I want you to watch out for over the next week. And the first is distraction. There are so many voices and um, kind of communication lines competing for our attention in today's day. Um, We get home and then we slump in front of Netflix or um, even if we start reading the Bible app in the morning, we get a text and then we're on the text and then before I know it, I'm scrolling through puppy videos on Instagram. And unless we are really deliberate, the Bible will be squeezed out of our daily rhythms. And I cannot overstate the importance of building habit here. Building a healthy and regular habit of reading the Bible to establish it within our daily rhythm. Another reason uh, is discomfort. The Bible isn't an easy read. The Bible itself actually describes itself as being sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to dividing the soul and the spirit, joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If you're anything like me, you don't much appreciate being judged. It's uncomfortable to read the Bible sometimes. It's... um, so I don't know if you ever get your phone out and you try and unlock your phone, but instead of unlocking the phone, you open the camera app and then like there's you staring back at someone. And that's sort of what the Bible is a bit like because it will expose the ugly parts of your character. When I read the Bible, I don't always like me. I see the, the ugly parts of myself. I see the, the tendency towards greed and the, the short temper. I see the the version of Luke who talks about people behind their back and the version of Luke who isn't reflected in the pages of Scripture. That that reading of Scripture exposes the parts of our life that need to be changed. But it's not always comfortable. And and then there's there's difficulty. Someone once said that you have to be a theologian, a literary critic, a biblical linguist and a historian to read the Bible well. And the truth is it's not a simple read. So let's get practical. The Bible is God-breathed. It's the living word of God for our lives today. Scripture reveals God to us today. It is too important for us to ignore. And I don't want to be put off by distraction, discomfort, or difficulty. So how do I read it this week? First things first, I want you to watch this really closely. Did you see? Is it this camera? No, this one. Open the book. You've got to open the Bible. It is the main tool we've been given through which God is going to reveal himself today. Do you want to know him? Open the book. Do you want to hear God, the creator of heaven and earth, speaking to you? Read the book. Because if you do, we have to open the Bible. 
It is a lot harder for us to get revelation from the word of God if we are not reading the word of God. Earlier, I read a little of Psalm 119. Elsewhere in that psalm, it says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, there's a handout available at the end of the talk with um, a few helpful pointers. I should say they are Tim's pointers from this morning. They're not mine. Um, all credit should go to Tim for that handout. But there is a handout. And maybe this week, just pick one of those and try and implement it. But we have to open it. And we have to think about what we're reading. There are 66 different books, all with different styles, genres, audiences. Ask yourself, what is this book? Is it poem or history? Is it law or literature or letter? Scripture builds upon itself. There is developing revelation throughout Scripture, reaching its peak with Jesus, the living word. Uh, and I think Jesus is the gold standard of revelation in Scripture. So maybe start with the Gospels. For me, I, I, I love the Gospels. They're probably what I read the most. Um, because when I read the Gospels, what happens is I fall in love more with the person of Jesus. I notice things about the way he speaks to people or about um, his, his rhythms, his dialogues. I, I love Jesus because I read the books about Jesus. But then look beyond that to the Acts of the Apostles or, or, or to the letters. Maybe as you start a new book, read the introduction to that book. Most Bibles will have a short introduction about the book. So understand what it is that you're reading. There's a YouTube channel called The Bible Project. They give kind of neat overviews of each book of the Bible. Look it up. They're, they're, they're really kind of really helpful as an understanding. Or, or go to Bible school once a month downstairs. Something else I find helpful when I read the Bible is um, to cheat. <laughs> you see, I thought that you had to be really, really holy and kind of sit in a darkened room listening to some choral music and kind of furrow your brow. And if you could read it in the original Hebrew, then you got a little halo. But, but actually, the truth is, the truth is that isn't true. When we read the Bible, we, we can pray. God... Um, we, we can speak to the author. There's nothing fancy. God, would you reveal yourself to me as I read your word? Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand? You see, Jesus made a promise to us. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to him. He wants you to get the most out of scripture. I remember one time uh, I did this. Um, it was shortly after my dad had passed away, and I, um, I wasn't in a great place, and I didn't, didn't really know what to think or feel, and I was tired, and I was grieving, um, and I didn't really want to read my Bible at all. Um, I didn't want to read the Old Testament because it was difficult. I didn't want to read the Gospels because it was like every flipping page, Jesus was healing someone, and that wasn't my experience. I didn't want to read it. Um, and I, I just prayed something like, please help me. It really was not uh, one of my best prayers. Um, but I started reading one of the letters. And I read this in Romans. I read, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I didn't know what to pray. 
I didn't know what to do. But in that moment, in that passage that I'd read lots of times before, the Spirit brought that particular passage to me. It was, it was as if it was personal and, and meant for me. It was, um, you know, that passage I'd read before, literally uh, millions and millions of Christians will have heard that over the centuries. But in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit put his arm around me and said, I, I know, I heard, this is, this is for you. I can't remember who said it, but, but someone once said um, about the Christian life, they said, if we're all word and no spirit, we dry up. If we're all spirit and no word, we blow up. And with the spirit and the word, we grow up. And for some of us this evening, it's time to grow up. Just as the Bible was God-breathed, in the power of the Spirit, I think it is best read in the help of the Spirit. And he will reveal himself to us. So we open the Bible, we read it, we pray, we ask God to speak to us, and then what? And this is the most important thing I'm going to say. So just as I, I finish, if you've got bored, or if you're still thinking about the celebrations, just come back. Because Jesus told a story to his disciples about two builders in Matthew 7, he said, everyone who hears these words of mine, um, that's scripture to you and I. So everyone who hears the words of scripture and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew, but it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and it fell with a great crash. You see, when I started preparing this talk, uh, I thought, easy. I just tell everyone to read the Bible. Job done. But actually, it isn't about reading our Bibles. The answer isn't read it, the answer is live it. Both of the builders heard the words of God. Both of them were reading the Bible, if you will, but the difference is one of them put it into practice. We are to obey the word of Scripture. Obedience to Scripture is the foundation of Christian life. And it is the means by which we, we will live in a way that is pleasing to God. And what that means, actually, is that when we pick up the Bible, it isn't some race for us to get through it. It's actually the goal is to get the Bible through us. And so we don't pick it up and scroll through it looking for some encouragement or, or some peace. Actually, what we do is we take the whole of Scripture and submit our lives to it. And as we do that, we are made more into the person that God made us to be. It's time to, to, to wrap up. Scripture is God-breathed. It's the main tool by which he reveals himself to us today. It is alive and active, and I believe it is the main way that he speaks to his people today. If we want to know him and if we want to hear from him, then we need to, to know Scripture and obey Scripture. There are sacred things in our world. We've looked at communion and, and baptism and the church and our body and scripture. 
scripture is sacred. God intended that all of creation would be sacred, but this world is fallen. But God's mission is that one day everything will be made sacred again. The prophetic vision of of Zechariah finishes by looking at that day and it says that the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. And on that day, the cooking pots in the Lord's house will be like sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty. So as we finish this series looking at sacred things, we actually look ahead to a day when everything will be made sacred again, even even the cooking pots. And anticipation of that day, we've been left with this, the sacred scripture. Wrestle with it, read it, obey it. And as we do that, God will reveal himself to us through his living word. And with that, Dave, I'm going to hand back to you.